Hello again, it's Charlie O'Shields here, back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. This is the 30th episode, yay! Actually, I have no idea what it is about round numbers, but they always seem to require a bit of celebration. Just recently, I celebrated 1,500 consecutive days of sketching stuff. Yep, actually making a little watercolor sketch and story every single day now for over 1,500 days. Well, it sounds like a crazy high number, but it's nothing more than doing what I love each and every day, so it's easy. I hope you always make a bit of time to do what you love each and every day as well. And truly, I'm just making a little sketch each day, not some gallery masterpiece, so that makes it much easier to show up and create as well. There's no pressure to be amazing. I think a sketchbook is the perfect playground to have fun and explore ideas. In my case, it's the extent of my art. It's a wonderful way to unwind, rewind, and rejuvenate your creativity. So join me now for a series of stories that appeared while sketching every day. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Walking on the Beach The very idea of walking on the beach is quite a dream indeed. Uh, When I initially wrote this one, the temperatures were ridiculously cold and wouldn't be warming up until the weekend. Here, during the colder months, this doesn't mean that it will be actually warm per se, but it will have finally creeped above freezing, so I'm sure I'll always see people running around in shorts and flip-flops to celebrate the occasion. And Philippe the Parisian will make me giggle once more as he remarks on how such clothing should only ever be worn to the beach. I'll just tell him, as I always do, when you live this far from a beach, you just have to take what you can get. So at the first sign of warm weather, I'll happily be like this heron I sketched and strutting around enjoying myself, with a bit more clothing to be sure. And it's quite fun to at least imagine a bright and beachy scene in the pages of my little sketchbook. I can imagine back to years ago when I went snorkeling for the first time. Sure, I ended up with a rash of some sort after brushing up against a bit of nefarious seaweed, but it was totally worth it and to get an up-close look at life under the water. So I only have the fondest memories of beaches. It occurred to me that this is how I live my life all of the time, omitting the little bits that aren't so favorable and focusing on the awesome and wonderful bits instead. That's the fabulous part about memories. They can often scrub away all of the questionable bits and leave only a beautiful sheen of impossibly happy times. So each time I sketch something related to a beach, I'm always put in an instantly happy mood. I hear the sound of those waves and remember just how lost I can become in them. For what always feels like the first time in my life, I pause and do nothing at all. I just let the music of those waves surround me and let my mind drift into a bit of nothingness. The only other time I experience something like this is when I'm sitting down to color a bit each evening in my sketchbook. I get so lost at times that if Philippe says something to me, I often have to ask him to repeat it. Thankfully, he's painted as well, so he knows exactly what's happening and doesn't get irritated. This zone is a wonderful thing indeed and extremely addictive. It's like I get to visit a beach each and every day. 
I've got so many projects I'm working on right now that it's bordering on insane. Each day I move them forward just a bit and that's fine by me. One would think I'd stop these daily posts in order to focus on those projects, but then I'd lose my trip to the beach. Projects just don't hold the same allure as showing up to sketch and color for no reason other than taking a happy little break in the day. This is how I relieve stress and regroup for a moment so I can return to those little projects waiting for me. That's why my posts are so oddly raw and lacking a level of craft. They're just a quick reaction to a tiny bit of time spent doing something I adore. Yet today I was reassured that the little thing I do every day means everything to me. I cherish my sketching habit, and though I can't do it as much as I'd like, I can at least make a moment to play each day. Yes, I'm still just playing and learning and enjoying every second. I've so much more to discover and so much more to try in the future, and there's plenty of time for all of that to happen. For now, I'm simply caught up in the waves of creating things and enjoying the breeze of satisfaction that comes from spending each and every day walking on the beach. Together forever. When thinking of a prompt of someone you love once, of course many people in my life came to mind, but there's certainly one person that rushes to the top of the list, and that's my husband, Philippe. Though I did attempt a quick initial sketch of him, my ability to achieve a good likeness is still quite horrific. It looked nothing like him, and what's worse, didn't even make me think of him when I looked at it, so it failed on all levels. Had I proceeded, it would have been the less romantic effect of looking like I was cheating on him with a much less attractive stranger. So I opted for wedding bands instead. In the end, I also prefer sketching stuff because it's more universal and relatable. Unless, of course, that odd little man I sketched looked like someone you knew. But that's not likely to be very many of you out there, thankfully. Love, however, is something quite universal and something in everyone's life. And even if you choose not to get married, it's the best feeling in the world to choose to be with someone and have them make the same choice. I have to admit that I'm no expert on romantic love and why on earth it even happens in the first place. Even when it's happened to me throughout my life, I'm often left perplexed as to the reason. There's a spark of some kind and then a connection that you can't really explain at all. And depending on the source of that spark, sometimes it's not even something you can explain to your parents very easily. Though the spark lights a fire, the relationship does often move to a smoldering glow after time. This is simply out of necessity as it would be thoroughly exhausting to maintain over many years. But even if the fire isn't blazing as brightly as it was in the beginning, the spark that started it all never really goes away. For me, there's the sparkle in Philippe's eyes that always reminds me why I chose him. Why he chose me is anyone's guess, really. I think I asked him once and he just shrugged and said, I just knew you were the one. This doesn't answer a single question specifically, of course, and is terribly devoid of facts one would expect from a PhD scientist, but I adored that answer. Sometimes in life, you just know what's meant to happen next and there's no other way to explain it. I think I'm certainly a romantic at heart. I've lived my life letting my heart lead the way, often when my mind is nearly screaming at me to reconsider. 
The way I see it, when we follow our hearts, there's a definite chance you could experience extreme sadness, but it's equally the only path to infinite joy. So for me, it's totally worth the risk. There's usually always a set of rules out there for whatever you hope to accomplish. One can Google them and discover full lists of exactly what you should or shouldn't do next. Though the tips and tricks are awesome, they don't usually get to the heart of the matter. There's not a one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to life. Each person completing the exact same steps will produce a rather different outcome. The difference is that bothersome heart that sneaks in and alters a thing or two along the way. A perfectly unique viewpoint that innocently changes everything. It's the very thing that makes whatever we create somehow uniquely us and beautiful. Like the strange and impossible to describe viewpoint that made us fall in love with that special person. The only thing I can ever be sure of is when my heart takes the lead is that whatever it chooses will always be together forever. Peanut Gallery. Back in the days of vaudeville, a peanut gallery was the nickname for the cheapest and certainly the rowdiest set of seats in the theater. These were the seats farthest from the stage, and folks sitting back there were known to yell at and heckle the performers on stage. Since peanuts were also the cheapest snack available for these rabble-rousers, it quickly became known as the peanut gallery. I didn't learn any of this until much later in life, but as a kid, I enjoyed watching reruns of a show called Howdy Doody. This was a show that featured marionettes in leading roles and little kids sitting in a section known as the peanut gallery, who were encouraged to laugh, cheer, or boo at all the crazy things that happened. It was a perfectly odd show, but I really liked it as a very little kid. It even had a Howdy Doody lunchbox that I proudly brought to school with me. I've no idea why all of this came to mind in this moment, but painting peanuts apparently brought these memories back to me. The idea of joyfully cheering or booing at something was rather delightful to me as a kid. On the Howdy Doody show, booing was simply joining in the fun and not something that was ever meant to be mean. Later, when I was in college, I would spend a few years on stage at a local theater known as Martin City Melodrama and Vaudeville Company. These were fabulously ridiculous shows performed in two parts. The first part was a spoof of some famous story, and the audience was encouraged to cheer for the hero and boo for the villain. In the first show I did there, I was D'Artagnan in The Three Musketeers. In the papers, one reviewer referred to me as having cartoon-like good looks, which meant I was forever cast as the hero from that point forward. Only once, when I had to step in at the last moment for another actor, was I ever able to play the villain and experience being booed when I came on stage. It was so much fun. The second half of the show was a vaguely related series of vaudeville musical numbers that were the equivalent of Saturday Night Live had it existed in the 1920s. And yes, the entire floor of the theater was completely littered with peanut shells. Those were really fun years in my life and they now seem like a lifetime ago. In truth, it was a period exactly halfway through my current life, and one that I'll always treasure. And though I'm actually a rather shy person, being on stage helped me gain a bit of confidence. 
today, that's likely why I was able to fearlessly start posting every single watercolor I made from the moment I started. Sure, it was entirely possible that I could get booed off stage when it came to social media, but I had learned that even that could be really fun as it meant you caused a reaction of some kind at least. So really, whether I came across as the hero or the villain, I didn't mind at all. I was just glad to show up and share what I created. There aren't many vaudeville theaters in existence today, in the original version of them at least, Uh, but there's a ton of crazy stuff on YouTube that people post every second and we're all watching it for free in the cheap seats. Perhaps in the end, not much has really changed at all. We can all still joyfully cheer or boo at the crazy things we see each and every day, this time behind phones and computers that have simply become the modern form of the peanut gallery. Those awkward stages. There's something impossibly adorable about little puppies who have yet to grow into all their various parts. Their heads are just a bit too big for their bodies and their feet look like they belong to another dog entirely. Of course, we humans develop in a similar fashion, albeit a bit slower. The school photos of my adolescence are frightfully awkward, but in these photos, I'm always sitting there with a huge smile on my face, blissfully unaware that I'm only half-baked and have quite a bit of growing up still left to do. I've only seen these photos at my mother's house as I didn't collect or save any of them. They're fun to see though, and a wonderful reminder that no matter what life might do to me in the moment, The best thing that it offers is change. As I continue to sketch and paint each day, I find myself trying some new things and not always leaning into the tried and true. As an artist now, I'm only four years young and well, I've still got a lot of growing up to do. And just like that boy in those horrible school photos, I'll always show up with a smile. Though I'm sure some insanely talented artists pick up a pen or brush and immediately start making the most incredible things, this hasn't always been me. I've found that diligent practice is my own best approach. My favorite doodle washes that appear on doodlewash.com are often the ones that are a bit botched. (laughs) The ones that didn't quite live up to the image that I had in my head. These, like those horrible school photos, during adolescence are very dear to me. I posted them anyway, smiling and happy that I was able to make something that day. I didn't worry that it wasn't the best version of me because I knew it was still an important piece of who I really am and another step in my art journey. No matter what we sketch, paint, or post, it's always a bit of a self-portrait. The lines and colors betray how we were feeling that day. Sure, some choose to self-edit and show only their very best work, but I've always taken a different path. I've instead invited everyone on my art journey along with me to view it as it happens in real time. That's why my posts appear in the evening, but the exact timing is often rather tough to set a watch by. Truly, the way social media works today, it would behoove me to schedule posts and ensure they appear like clockwork at only the optimal times of day. Uh, This would always ensure more likes and more readers, if that's your goal. I would adore more people discovering my humble little posts, but I equally adore they've always been organic. So I do things perfectly and correctly when it comes to the rules, but I've always stayed true to what feels right for me. 
I'm still that gangly adolescent artist who simply wants to make something each and every day that feels really good. I'm sure that odd-looking little boy in those class photos would be proud of me. He would sometimes worry about what other people would think, but mostly he was far too busy living and enjoying life to ever really stop and notice. So the real reason I enjoy looking at those old photos is because that boy is now my hero. Instead of viewing him as a phase I thankfully grew out of, I see him as the purest version of who I still am today. A boy who skips his way through life, striving to make good things happen, while doing it all with a perpetual smile, even through those awkward stages. The Healing Effects of Nature When one thinks of natural wonders, they could refer to world's largest waterfall or the magnificently expansive Grand Canyon. But as ever, I chose something small and simple as I think flowers themselves count in this category. Recently, I discovered essential oils, meaning I had the opportunity to try various ones and found it a rather intoxicating experience. Uh, truly, it was almost a bit too much for me in a concentrated form, but a rather cool way to bring nature indoors. And after the experience, I found myself much more relaxed and rejuvenated, so there's certainly something there. It's hardly surprising, really, as any interaction with nature always provides a calming effect. Also, I tend to avoid painting flowers as they aren't my strong suit, and I wanted to push myself to try and practice them a bit more. I adore flowers, so it's perfectly odd that I don't paint them more often. And today was a touch stressful, so I wanted to paint something that felt healing and beautiful. In truth, this particular day had started with quite a bit of stress as we had to take our little dog Phineas in for some medical tests. He had a slightly elevated calcium level on a recent blood test, which can often point to various types of cancer. Since he's only turning 10 in October, the idea that he might already be experiencing something life-threatening was difficult to imagine. After being poked and prodded over a two-hour period with various long and arduous bits of waiting to learn the results of each new test, Philippe and I were emotionally exhausted. Phineas just kept staring at us as if to ask us what the fuss was all about. He was not a very willing patient, so the first hour was spent waiting for a tranquilizer to kick in, which he fought heroically, but still managed to calm him enough to get the needed test completed. When the final test revealed no suspicion of cancer, we were insanely relieved that we were still awaiting the results of the final test to hopefully determine the actual root of the problem. Phineas received treats soon after and seemed completely unfazed by the experience. As we were walking back into our home directly after the ordeal, however, it was Philippe who started to cry. All of the stoic bravery that had existed during the experience was melted down at last into a flurry of suppressed emotion. I didn't attempt to comfort him. Instead, I just joined in and let my own emotions out as well. We cried together. It was a cathartic experience where all of those imagined thoughts of something awful meet tears of actual joy. Our little Phineas is going to be okay, 
and later we'll take a long walk together as a family, enjoying every little flower and plant we see along the way just a bit more. Phineas will most likely sniff and pee on them, uh, but that's just his way of experiencing the outdoors. Odd, to be sure, but I learned long ago to never question his methods. Life on this little green planet is short, so one should experience it to the fullest in whatever way feels most natural. As my little family watches the setting sun, thankful for many more days together, I'll most likely be lingering just a bit longer to marvel the healing effects of nature. Standing out from the crowd. When I was visiting the Paris Zoo this past January, I snapped several photos of giraffes there. I had intended to choose one from the group to sketch, but this trio provided a fun challenge, and so I do to washed all three of them. The one in the front was perfectly happy just standing alone and seemed to be in his own little world, while the two behind clustered together as though they were gossiping about him. I have no idea if drafts actually engage in such nonsense, but it was fun to consider, and crazy to attempt as sketching that many spots and spindly legs made my eyes cross. At a glance, most giraffes look quite similar, but upon further observation, each one is incredibly different. They have a series of spots on them that are like personal tattoos, as no two are ever quite alike, and completely unique to each giraffe. It's very much the same when it comes to sketching and painting. Each of us has an individual way of using the exact same tools, or indeed sketching the exact same subject matter, that always produces something uniquely wonderful. After over four years, there have been more than 500 artists that I've now featured on doodlewash.com, and it's fun to see all of the unique ways that people approach their art. One of the things that many artists seek when they're just starting out is how to discover their personal style. A look that sets them apart from other artists. The fun part is that it's already there and has been from the very beginning. It's not a journey of discovery so much as one of development. When I first started painting and sketching, I was enamored with so many styles I saw from other artists. I had no idea what direction I wanted to go, so I just sketched my way through it to find out. And as it turns out, I'm still finding out each and every day, finding new little things to try. Yet no matter how differently I approach a sketch on a particular day, when you put them all together, they are quite clearly from the same hand. No matter what I do, I always show up with a bit of a similar look, a series of spots like a giraffe that are completely unique to me. And though I sometimes still wish I could paint like some of those illustrators I admire, I know I will always have my own unique spots and so I wear them with pride. Over these past few years, it's so much fun to see all of your paintings and drawings scroll by. I can often already tell who sketched or painted something before I even click on the image to read the name. Some artists have been a part of the Doodle Wash community since it began, and it's a joy to see your art change and morph with new styles and ideas. And it's even more fun to see that inexplicable you still there in every single one, no matter how different the style is today. That beautiful artist's fingerprint that adds a special bit of magic to each line and each stroke. 
I'm still playing and learning and will definitely try on different styles as I go along. And that's absolutely something I recommend for all artists. It's fun to explore and grow and change things up every now and again. And there's a comfort in knowing that no matter what I do, I'll always be doing it in my own unique way. There's often a sense of competition in art, as with all things, but one should never let that bother them. All we ever really have to do is show up and make something. And, of course, smile knowing that no matter what we create, we're already standing out from the crowd. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Thank you.